Welcome back to the Jackets Online podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan, and joining me is our managing editor, Russell Johnson. And uh, it's been a while. We've been really busy. Uh, obviously, the AD search going on at Georgia Tech that ended with Jay Bat from Alabama getting tapped as the new athletic director. You had the firing of Jeff Collins, the interim phase of Brent Key. We really haven't been on for a while. Um, all of the stuff that kind of happened leading up to that. It's sort of been just one sort of massive, um, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, massive amount of just information things going on so fast that we really just didn't have time to react. Russell's been on the road uh, covering recruits. I've been on the road with the team and then just kind of getting my head around everything that was going on and trying to stay on top of things. Obviously the AD search went a little differently than anticipated and, um, they ended up with sort of a out of the box candidate, which was something that I thought might happen. And I had one of the two guys that were looking at in that position, um, but did not have Jay Bat's name, uh, unfortunately. But it seemed like no one else did either. So uh, that one kind of came out of left field. Um, you know, I don't need to get too into the weeds on, on the AD search stuff, but. Um, you know, Russell and I both have some connections at Alabama. Russell did some digging on his end. And how would you describe uh, how Jay was described by uh, some of our our friends in Tuscaloosa? I, I would say that, you know, kind of just strictly business. You know, he's uh, he's focused on uh, finding ways to uh, succeed in, in all aspects, both of, of athletics, fundraising, kind of everything that he needs to do. Uh, just strictly business and, um, you know, wouldn't say cutthroat, but just, you know, strictly business and all about the, uh, the bottom line at the end of the day and getting things done. So that's where this is going to get really interesting to me. Um, Georgia tech is in need of a new approach. That was something that president Cabrera has kind of talked about making the academic side and the athletic side lineup in terms of national standing and, and getting Georgia tech basically back to, you know, where they were 20 years ago in terms of um, maybe t- more than 20 years ago at this point, but where they were when they were, you know, a, a fairly prominent athletic program with a, a healthy budget relative to their competitors and, and a, a good consistent on the field product, which they've had in football consistently really until this Jeff Collins era, but um, just being more consistent all around. I mean, obviously it's not going to be Alabama, but um, or Georgia for that matter, or, probably Clemson, but you can be, you know, pretty consistent and have a good product. And that's what I think this is all sort of leading up to. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with the coaching search. Obviously Brent Keen knew bat sort of passingly um, from Alabama, but it was clear they don't have like some close relationship. So, you know, Brent Key's in his audition phase, obviously the best thing for Jay bat would be for Brent Key to go out when the coastal and, they make a deal and the deal could be, you know, we're going to pay you X amount of money, which is less than market value. We're going to pour the rest of the money that we would spend on a head coach into your support staff and and whatever staff changes you want to make. And let's roll and and give you a a Georgia tech friendly buyout because you're an alum and this is the only place you're going to be a head coach. And let's see what happens. Obviously, you know, you covered actually one of these situations before at Ole Miss um, with Matt Luke. Matt Luke, someone I would never compare Brent Key to in, in, in pretty much any manner. Um, I, I can't imagine Brent Key crying if they name him the head coach in, in his press conference like Matt Luke did. But, uh, oh, I, man. but, but I mean, 
you've been through this, like, you know, kind of, is that what you're seeing as you, you kind of look at this as a possible, you know, obviously the, anything can happen. They could lose to Virginia tomorrow night, but just, you know, what do you see and, and, and what was it like going through that experience too? Oh man. So, you know, I can go all the way back to when they first named him the interim when Hugh Freeze, you know, resigned and all of that took place. Um, you know, there was a, a sector of the fan base who was completely locked in on other candidates. And then there was a, a sector of people who were either, um, you know, involved in the program or, you know, were interested in getting involved in the program. And they all were, you know, gung-ho on Matt Luke and were ready to do what it took to, to help them help him succeed. Um, and then, you know, as, as time goes on, you know, when you mix the emotion of having somebody with the alma mater of the school he's coaching for with the success that he's having, no matter what the level of it is, whether, you know, it could even be, you know, just winning a game against the school like Vanderbilt, for example, um, you know, that those kind of things, um, like when you mix emotion and success, you get a very dangerous formula rather quickly. And, and a lot of times it can cloud the vision. Like, I mean, I'll tell you this till I'm blue in the face. There is no reason that Matt Luke was, should have ever been named the permanent head coach at the University of Mississippi. Um, you know, it, it just, it was not a business decision. It was an emotional decision. And, you know, when you make emotional decisions at the um, athletic department level, and even, I believe the athletic, athletic director wasn't even the one making the real decision. It was the president at the time. But we won't get into all the, the politics and everything in Mississippi. Uh, but it was, a, it, was, it was quite a spectacle to, to see everything kind of play out the way it did. You know, they've got a candidate ready to take the job, the permanent job. And then someone just makes a phone call and says, you know, no, Matt Luke's our guy. And um, <laughs> kind of seeing the way everything played out with that and seeing how, you know, Matt Luke's tenure ended on a, a also another emotional level. Um, coming off of the egg bowl and everything with that. And then seeing how quickly the program's elevated since um, getting Lane Kiffin to take over there and um, just really kind of flipping the program on its head. I think, you know, that's where you have this um, kind of, in my, in my opinion, kind of like a Venn diagram, because, you know, I can compare the two, like you said, you can compare Matt Luke and Brent Key to, to some very minor extent, but at the same time, you know, Brent Key had a, a reputation as a, um, as a recruiter at Alabama. He's had time as an offensive coordinator at UCF, albeit it wasn't successful, but he still has that on his resume. You know, before Matt Luke was the interim coach, he was literally just an offensive line coach. And where's Matt Luke now, Kelly? I believe he is unemployed, right? He retired yes. or whatever yes. he was retired I, it depends on who you ask uh to be honest with you like what really went on with him and in, in georgia and you know i seems like a great guy i never met matt luke but um, yeah he's a great guy great guy but it's just but you either, here's got, you either have it or you, can't, you don't well and here's the difference for me right like brent key commands a room um mm -hmm. he commands respect from people and there's no one I've met maybe other than a handful of people that are in the coaching profession right now. One of them is Paul Johnson off the top of my head that want to win more than breathing. And Brett key is of that. Like he would,
do just about everything short of selling his family to, to win a football game. And that drive and, and, and having the pedigree of, you know, with Saban and O'Leary, who is certainly a taskmaster, um, you know, I, I think it's such a different situation, but that's why I brought it up. Cause it reminded me like, that's sort of, those are the sort of polar ends of what this can be. And you've had it with O'Leary where he took over here for Bell Lewis and was successful and had a really strong program. And what was the backbone of what George O'Leary did is he had strong coordinators um, around him and, and really the best offensive coordinator in, in college football, probably at that time and, and Ralph region. And so, you know, that's the charge too with Brent. He's got to put together, you know, an all-star staff. That's what O'Leary had. I, I love to point out that famous stat from, I think it was CNN or ESPN, um, you know, in the year 2000 or whatever it was, it was when O'Leary was coach. They had the highest paid staff in college football, um, you know, in terms of assistance pay. And then, Georgia Tech? yeah. And then O'Leary was like in the top five and in, in, in compensation as well. So it goes to show you how much time change and you got to invest in the product, right? You get what you put into it. And, you know, for a long time, Georgia tech punched above their weight because of Paul Johnson, what he was doing. And it was an effective end around of spending money, uh, you know, and, and them being cheap with him had a lot of consequences too. It probably cost them another ACC championship or two and quite a few wins too, with being cheap with assistant hires and DCs and all that stuff. So yeah, spend money and, and President Cabrera seems very dead set on doing this. He's put his tush on the line, as I'd like to say, like he's he's put skin in the game now. Um, so he has to kind of do something. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. There's a lot of the one thing that Jeff Collins era provided for Georgia Tech was it galvanized people to be interested in, in fixing things. Right. Like it got I have a lot of friends who are boosters that were just sort of like well, we'll see what happens with Jeff. You know, I'm not like, you know, we'll give him another year or whatever. Like they were angry about the contract or whatever, but they weren't like super engaged. And then what that happened at the end of last season with the last two games where they got outscored a hundred to nothing. And then the way like the old miss game really just unraveled on them and the, and the constant mistakes and the same things that pissed people off. And, and the one thing that seems to engage a lot of tech fans is like, being embarrassed and they were embarrassed and um it's it's had a positive impact at least in terms of getting the president engaged um getting him to to you know understand what they need to do to to compete on the level he wants to compete at now whether or not they actually get there that's a whole other question but um to me though getting back to sort of the point uh you know, you have Jay Bet stepping in. He's never hired a coach. He's a first-time AD. It may make sense to give, if Brent has a decent season, to give him a few years and get all of their stuff lined up. And as long as he's has a competitive product and puts together a good staff, there's no reason why he can't be successful. Now, will he get you over the mountaintop or not? There's no way to tell that yet. But there's two things at play here, too. You're trying to also position yourself now to the end of the decade when – the TV deals start to come unraveled for the ACC and you're going to have your next set of, of realignment. And probably that's when you're going to see the breaking point where you see the, you know, the premier league of college football for lack of a better term, right? Like with soccer where you have the different levels. And I think that's coming. Um, oh man. Promotion and relegation would be so much fun in college football. 
you imagine Vanderbilt like they're just like you know like that's the probably the thing that Vanderbilt people are Missouri are like scared to death of like yeah they end up down in league two <laughs> yeah I mean like if you're Rutgers or you know like I mean there's so many of these teams right in these different leagues too that but the thing that they're killing the thing that makes college football special which is the rivalries and the regionality of it and all that so you're gonna have to find something to replace that interest and maybe that would be it like if you're you know um south florida who i obviously have an interest in and you get put down to like level three because you're one in 25 in the last three years against fbs teams with jeff scott you know that's going to be like a a motivating factor for some people to to not put up with a lot of crap i think also we're getting ready to perhaps see a flip back from the crazy contract era to like i think that mel tucker deal is is really sitting poorly in the stomachs of some people right now at michigan state there have been some other insane deals jeff collins deal was a terrible contract for georgia tech it was incredibly one-sided for a guy that had pretty much zero bargaining leverage to get the job um to give him a fully guaranteed deal was was almost unthinkable but um you know at the end of the day here we are georgia tech needs to hit a reset and you know, to be honest with you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with basketball and whether or not there's going to be pressure there. Obviously, bats come from places that are very competitive. He was at Maryland. He was at um, North Carolina and Alabama, who all have exceptional basketball programs and did when he was there. So there's going to be pressure, I'm sure, there to, to get that in line. And then the big thing to me right now, and, and part of, I think, what Jay Bat's mission is going to be is, getting the NIL stuff off the ground, getting it to where it needs to be to be competitive in the marketplace. Cause they're not going to go out and outbid Auburn or, or Florida or whoever for a kid, but they need to be able to keep the Jameer Gibbs situations from happening. And, and really worse than that would be like the Jared Ivy's of the world or uh, these guys that are going somewhere and then getting these kind of fat NIL deals. And you don't know if they're inducements or not. I'm not going to accuse anyone of inducing anyone into going anywhere, but there's, there's tremendous smoke on a lot of these kids that transferred to SEC schools, for example, from Georgia Tech and, and why they transferred. And some of whom are even sitting on the bench at these new places are playing part-time who left starting roles. So to me, I think that um, you got to get all that figured out, right? Like you got to have your NIL money, you got to have what you need there and you need to have a good plan of action, whatever that is for, for what your direction is with your football program, what your direction is with your men's basketball program long-term. Yeah. Give Josh Pastner some money he has like no money, no NIL money whatsoever. And that's killing them. I mean, I joked with, with Pastner at the AC tip off that the Carolina Tar Heels, their, uh, their roster this year might make more money than the Sacramento Kings bench in the NBA. Like, like they're, they got Are dudes making, on the Kings. I mean, they got dudes making making some real bank there. They're definitely making more than most G league teams. Like, um, so, you know, if you're going against that and you want to be competitive against that, you gotta have a plan. So those are all the things that come to mind here. They gotta be smarter with their money too. And that's where, you know, uh, I think Jay back comes in. They want someone to, to be tough and, and make tough decisions and be smart with money. So to me, maybe that, maybe that throws another, you know, feather in Brent keys cap, if he can, take care of this but they've got to take care of stuff on the field too they got to keep jeff sims healthy and you know those are sort of the key pieces of all of this 
to get through this season, to get them in position to, to go to a bowl game for the first time since 2018 too. Like, I mean, I may actually, I've actually had to like think a little bit for the first time in, in three years. So in four, this is the fourth year where I actually have to think a little bit about December and whether or not I might have to actually go somewhere to cover a bowl game um, for the first time in forever. So. Right. Yeah, you may be uh, making some alternative Christmas plans. Yeah, God, I hope they like there's there's not the quick lane bowl or anything. I don't think this year. So the worst one would be Tampa, which is two days before Christmas or like the military bowl, which I think is the 28th. Those are the two sort of bad ones. If they go to like Birmingham, that's down the street. Like that's not a big deal. Um, yeah. It's more of like anywhere that I have to get on either an airplane or, or make a really long drive that, that becomes a problem. But Right. You know, it would be a good problem to have. I would love to have some postseason football to cover uh, on top of some basketball, and and we would be excited about that as a, as, a, as a website as well. Just and I think it would be great for fans to have something. But you know, they got to get through tomorrow, um, playing yeah. the the crappiest team in the ACC other than Virginia Tech um, in Virginia. That's apparently, according to my buddy Brad Franklin, down at running back, which they didn't really have any depth to begin with, and um got a few other injuries on their defense which is already shaky so this could be a really interesting game this week um well yeah i think i saw their star linebacker from georgia is going to be limited according to what the head coach said and the then pitch count is yeah the, the, the second linebacker is out so yeah. there's going to be times where you've got rotation linebackers playing regular snaps I guess Georgia Tech's offense, and that, that, that'll be interesting, especially because, you know, Georgia Tech has, well, we'll see how the, the new running back rotation is under new new running back coach uh, Don Hill Ely. But, you know, it, just seeing Dante Smith, Hassan Hall, Dylan McDuffie, possibly the debut of Jamie Felix. I mean, well, technically we had the debut of Jamie Felix in the other game, but it was it, about as non interesting of a uh, debut. He played like three snaps and I didn't yes. even realize he had been in the game. Uh, yeah, um, I didn't either. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, with that situation with Jamie, even Daylon Gordon, the, the walk on, like, I think you're going to start to see more of these guys play and McDuffie and his part of all of this is, has not produced so far. So, you know, he's got to step up and, and if he wants to stay in, cause you know, if it comes down to playing Jamie Felix or Dylan McDuffie, I think you play Jamie Felix. Um, if, if the family's cool with him playing and if they're in the mix for a uh, ACC, you know, championship appearance, which, you know, if they win this week, they're going to be very much in the hunt for that the rest of the, the, the season, even with two losses. So even if you took another loss in ACC play, say they lose yeah. at Florida state, like they're still going to be in that hunt. So that changes the math with all the red shirts and everything else. And that's one of the interesting things too, with Brent key has cracked the whip there. They have, uh, they've really cracked down on, on a lot of things. And, and it is a, it is not what we would call a player's room anymore uh, in the locker room. He wants it to be a player led team, but there's a lot of bit, there's been a lot of discipline suddenly installed instilled on this team um, over the last three, four weeks. So you'll see some different guys playing. You'll see some guys not dressed that might surprise you here and there. Um, you've already seen a little bit of that. 
Uh, I think you'll continue to see that each week. There'll be <laughs> some different things. And, and some of that's just discipline related. And some of it's like, uh, you know, if you're not, Brent Key sort of is taking the pose of if you're either all in or you're all out. And so um, that's how he wants to run things. And, and he's the boss right now, so he can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, like you said, uh, even going back to the beginning of, of this episode, you know, we listed a few of the the major things that went that have taken place since we last recorded. But I mean, you know, you've also had, you know, several other situations, you know, kind of not exactly blow up, but just kind of continue to develop. You know, you once the uh, new transfer portal rules were passed, they created the transfer portal windows. And up until the time that Jeff Collins was fired, it was going to be a race to the end of the season at Georgia Tech. And you were just going to get maybe reports that kids had uh, left the program or were, um, what was the word during the COVID season? Opting out. Yeah, opt of out the rest or of the whatever. Yep. Things like that. Uh, you, it was going to be a lot of that up until the time the window opened after the season. Uh, but once once Jeff was fired, the, um, the, the transfer window for Georgia Tech exclusively and all the other schools who have fired coaches since, um, was open and you've seen, you know, Demetrius Knight enter the portal. Uh, you've seen Kalani Norse. He, he hasn't gone in because he, he's waiting to graduate at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, he's going to, yeah, he's going to, but he's transfer. left the team. Yeah. Um, and then you, you've got other kids, like you mentioned, who, you know, aren't dressing and uh, may not dress tomorrow, who are going to, you know, exercise that option whether it's public or not, you know, that's, um, that's something that, you know, they've been able to do. Um, and then, you know, like I alluded to with the running back coach, you know, Mike Daniels resigning and um, that whole situation kind of taking place uh, really out of nowhere. I mean, that was, he was on the road. Was, like it was yeah. super <laughs> yeah. sketchy. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, was sitting in a drive through and you sent me a tweet not realizing that it was Brent uh, McMurphy. Uh, uh, breaking news, McMurphy. Get breaking it right, news from a press release from Georgia Tech that he happened to see before anyone else did at Twitter at noon on a Friday. I was sitting in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and Russell texted me like, oh, that's crazy. And then just happened to flip my email open. <laughs> I saw the press release. I was like, come on. I was like, that's baloney, man. Like, don't don't claim your you scooped something when you freaking uh, that, that's one of like my pet peeves man like yeah if it's scoop if you have scoop it's not scoop if you got a damn press release like just be like there's basketball people who do it all the time too that annoy the piss out of me it's it's not just a brett mcmurphy uh issue it's a it goes deeper than that Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and then, you know, in, in recruiting, you've had, um, you know, no, no real, no real traction, no real movement. Um, but that's, that's set to change here in the next 48 hours or so, maybe less than 48. Now uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night and, um, there's a chance you see uh, multiple commitments for Georgia tech, um, this weekend, uh, you know, recruiting was really kind of, wouldn't call it stagnant, but I would kind of call it stagnant. It was um, unimpressive. Yeah, it was, the, it, was, term for it, it was. Yeah, unimpressive and 
not needed. It didn't need to be as national as they were making it under Jeff. Sure. Um, you know, like, you know, you've, you've got commits from literally all over the country right now, as far North as uh, Maryland and New Jersey. And then as far South, you know, you obviously got Georgia and you've got, you know, Alabama and, you know, all the, the Southeastern States, but it's just so, so spread out that there's really no pipeline, I guess you could say, you know, the Georgia Tech as a program in the past has made a living, correct me if I'm wrong, off of the bordering states. You've got, you got Georgia, you've got uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, and maybe even a little bit into North Carolina, Alabama, and Florida. That's what you needed to build your program around. Yeah, it's basically like sort of a giant circle around the southeast. Like you yeah, go exactly. basically basically it's from the bottom of really from about Raleigh all the way down to the tip of Florida. Yeah. And across through like Alabama, like through Birmingham, through like yep. I-65 or whatever. Anything inside of that has sort of been their bread and butter with Paul, with O'Leary to an extent, um, with Chan, from what I understand. Like those were a little bit before my time, but like if you go back and look at where all the like the studs were from, like they were from mostly those areas. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you you know, Jeff Collins hung his hat on recruiting and the recruiting class was not, not uh, it was, it was maybe even a hair below like a Paul Johnson class, to be really honest with you, like having covered both. Um, yeah. It was, you talk, it, we're talking about the 2023 class currently. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just not, going the right way um so it's not surprising that uh that you know if there's an i think if there's if brent gets a job or even just now with the interim there's people excited about him they're going to be more likely to jump in the boat um than they were with a lame duck situation with jeff collins because they're getting killed too on the road with that like that he's going to get fired and oh they were getting murdered on the on the on the recruiting trail like it was it was to the point to where kids were trying to um you know reach out to like other players players on the team's parents and trying to see if they could get insight on the situation and what was going on um i mean we we were getting messaged a lot and and our general stance is to say we have no idea what's going to happen and just yeah that's not my job and you know that's that's something that i wish a lot of other you know, quote unquote journalists would kind of take, take heat in and take a little bit of pride in is, you know, the integrity that it takes to do this job rather than, you know, hyping them up and saying, Oh no, he's safe. Da, 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 da. Or, Oh yeah, he's gone. You know, you, you really should do this, 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 and this, um, you know, a great example of um, I'm sorry, I keep going on these recruiting tangents, but a great example of the recruiting, the uncertainty kind of really getting in the way was last year in the 2022 cycle where Georgia Tech was going up against Vanderbilt for several kids. There was a Darren Agu kid. There was um, obviously A.J. Swan at the end. And uh, with that was with Maryland, though. Um, and all of these schools, you know, they, they were harping on two things. You know, who's going to be the offensive coordinator for you? How many OCs are you going to go through? And who's going to be your coach and yeah. what are you going to do when Jeff leaves or Jeff gets fired? And, you know, that was a, that was a constant. And that was something that really, 
really hurt them in the latter part of the 2022 cycle and throughout this entire 2023 cycle. That's why they don't have a single four-star committed right now. There's, there was none. There was really almost no drama between most of those up until I'd say the last, last few weeks, things have kind of picked up on that front to where I think they are going to get, you know, a, a couple four stars, maybe even three or four, depending on how the rest of the season plays out. Or none if there's, you know, depending on what happens with the coaching situations and if plugs get pulled and guys aren't going to be on the board. So it's a, it's a tricky yeah. situation too, to navigate in terms of that, but the administration has to kind of look at it as a, a totally outside situation and yeah. And, and kind of go from there. So let's switch yeah, the, gears here yeah. and um, we'll get into some other stuff here in a minute. I'd like to share a word with you now about our sponsor, Section 103, who bring you the best Georgia Tech clothes out there. Original, interesting clothing with the official Tech Gold and the official word mark and things that are hard to find anywhere else. I think it's the best uh, best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs. It's like the stuff that coaches wear. It's really cool. You get the AT, ATL logo that they have. Um, all the stuff super comfortable, super cool. And they even have youth sizes and women's clothes and, and are constantly adding things. I think uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media, and he just does an amazing job. Jackets Online uh, subscribers can get a discount of 10% off their first order by using the code Jackets Online, all caps, and check out section103.com. Um, great website. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, you know, people for years have been asking me for cool Georgia Tech designs, unique things. Um, and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff. You know, Andrew Thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice, which I thought was really cool and something I pointed out, not knowing that it was one of these designs. So check out our sponsor, Section 103. Great, great company. Welcome back from the break. And, uh, We'll dive into a little more Virginia now. Um, I, I didn't want to give the Cavaliers short shrift because, you know, right now in the coastal chaos, anyone can beat anyone. And as bad as Virginia's played, they also had a bye week. And, you know, everyone's dangerous to Georgia Tech right now. There's no gimmies. There's no layups. And, um, you know, throughout history, that's been proven at Georgia Tech. So, <laughs> um you know, having watched this team, though, it's clear that there's the uh, Robert and I is clearly a really good offensive coordinator. If you look what he's doing at Syracuse now and how he's turned that around. And, uh, you know, Dino Babers is up right now for ACC coach of the year, probably with Dabo and, um, you know, Mac Brown, maybe, I guess. Uh, Carolina is like the worst five and one team or whatever they are right now, five and two, five six and one, whatever the hell they are. They're the, like literally could be three and three right now, like Georgia, Georgia tech. Um, but yeah, Virginia is just, the offense has been bad. Uh, defense has not been great. Uh, they've not played a particularly difficult schedule either, which is um, why their fans are sort of up in arms. Um, you know, they, if you go back and kind of look at how their seasons unfolded, it's been, sort of impressively bad, which is interesting because I'm watching the other side of this with 
uh, Tony Elliott's other former co-offensive coordinator struggle like hell at South Florida too. They opened the season with a, a you know, a decent win with over Richmond, who's a, a very solid FCS program. Then they just get spanked at Illinois uh, week two. And then they pull out barely a win over Old Dominion, which is actually not a terrible G5 win, but it's not great at home to win 16 to 14. Uh, lose a close one to Syracuse and then get drilled by Duke and Louisville. Um, you know, Duke's a solid team. Louisville has been very inconsistent all year. So there's not a lot of data points here, right? Like the common the common team is Duke and um, they got their ass kicked by Duke and, and Georgia tech. We're beating Duke pretty thoroughly until two sort of flukish punt returns um, at the end of the game, got them back in and sent it to overtime. But it just seems like, uh, I don't know, man, like it's just unimpressive. Like their offense looks bad. Brennan Armstrong looks like a totally different player than he was a year ago. They still don't have a running back. Um, Apparently they're thin at that position going into this game as well. And, um, you know, they have the two big outside receivers. And other than that, and and Brennan Armstrong's ability to extend plays, I guess that's what frightens you. That's the thing that Brent Key alluded to this week is they're, they're good at second and third and 11 plus but that also means they're in second and third 11 a lot to, to be good at it. So um, they play behind the sticks a lot. I, I, I just don't, I don't know what to make of the team. They've uh, scored a whopping, let's see, uh, 42 points in three road games this season. Um, so that's not an encouraging stat either, um, especially playing in that, tough environment of Wallace Wade stadium for one of those. So, you know, I don't know, Russell, I mean, I, have you watched a Virginia? I've watched a couple of their games and it is, <laughs> it was a little bit soul sucking to actually watch them play. Cause they were so bad. Yeah, I know. I think you, you really kind of covered it. Um, and like you said, they've been really hard to watch and um, I find it, I find it really kind of ironic, honestly, that you know, going into this game now, this is a game that Georgia Tech is thought to win. Like, you know, they're favored to win in Vegas. Um, the fans expect them to win. Um, obviously, the coaches and players expect to win. But going into the season, this was a game that Virginia, under a first-year coach, the fans thought that they should win this game. The uh, media thought that they should win this game. And Vegas probably thought they should win this game. And just seeing how quickly things have literally flipped on it on their head. You know, Virginia looks just like completely different. You know, I I don't know if I would exactly say Brennan Armstrong has the yips, but like, you know, just looking at his stats, like this is like maybe two and a half, three games worth last season. But, you know, he's turning the ball over more. You know, he's, um, you know, it's just not, not looking good. Like, you know, I don't I haven't really had a chance to dive into their their offense, you know, given you know, my time constraints and everything. But, you know, it just doesn't seem like they're playing the Virginia football that everybody was used to under you know Bronco Mendenhall before he quit. Well, the thing with Bronco is, you know, their team was a. Was always very solid, right? Like they, you know, 
did the things that Georgia Tech's having success with right now. Don't beat yourself. Don't, you know, turn the ball over, uh, you know, play within yourself and stuff. And, you know, Brennan Armstrong was this guy who was picked to be all, all, you know, all ACC kind of preseason guy, like a, I think he was on the ballot for preseason player of the year. Um, I'm not sure we finished up on that, but yeah, you pull up something like PFF, right? We use that a lot. His PFF score for the season is 52.2, which would probably be, well, I can look it up actually. I'm curious where he even stands in the position in terms of the ACC quarterbacks. Um, because I guarantee it's not good. Um, so you know, it's it's um, it's going to be interesting to me to see what what this all looks like. All right, so I've got the the ACC. Let's go with that stat that narrows it down. All right, so your your top performing quarterbacks this year. This is a funny a fun one for you, according to PFF. Throwing the football, which is what Brandon Armstrong supposed to be good at. Uh, number one is Drake May, the Carolina quarterback. Jordan Travis is actually number two. Uh, Brandon Armstrong, 14. Jeff Sims is one spot above him. But there's a, a bit of a significant difference. And then my favorite stat is the overall PFF score, which takes into running and everything else and, and also pressures and all of those things. So Brennan Armstrong's dead last in the ACC right now in PFF. Jeff Sims is 12th, just behind Grant Wells of Virginia Tech. Even though, and I will point this out, Jeff Sims has played the hardest schedule of pretty much all of these guys on this list um, so far. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just bad. Like, um uh, Brennan Armstrong's NFL quarterback rating for those who, who like that stat 68.6 this season. You generally want to be in the 90s. Jeff Sims is at 80.9, which is not tremendous, but puts him um, third from the bottom, I think, or four. Right. He's like a hair behind Malik Cunningham and, and a couple other guys. So they're all a bunch of a bunch together. But it's just like he's they've not been good and it's it's very funny that like losing their oc and the head coach has turned them into such a bad product um when they were really good at offense last year if you go if we pull these same numbers from a year ago um you know brennan armstrong was brennan armstrong a year ago had a was number two in the acc behind kenny pickett with a 91.8 PFF score and a NFL quarterback rating of 105.1. So that goes to show you how far things have fallen off for him. But I don't, I mean, I don't know by all rights, Georgia tech should win this game, but that's the thing that probably is the most concerning. If I'm a Georgia tech fan, you know, like how do they deal with success, right? Like how do you maintain success? But they looked, you know, good handling it against Duke. I think, you know, to be honest with you, I think this would have been a more interesting game playing it right on the heels of the Duke game. They've had some time now to get um, Jeff Sims healthy. So, you know, I don't think you're going to see um, Zach Gibson or Zach Pyron or 
Tyson, uh, Tyson Pumachan or whoever um, else play quarterback. I think it's going to be Jeff Sims, but you know, if they had had to play maybe last week, maybe you didn't see Jeff Sims. So there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff that goes on um, as this all continues to, to kind of unfold, you know, defensively, Virginia's really terrible. Georgia tech's near the bottom of the country and in, in defense right now. And Virginia is actually behind them um, in some stats, but really the two teams are both just very bad offensively scoring the football um, in the bottom four and in, in the P five. And, you know, Georgia tech has an excuse of having played Clemson and played Pitt. who's a pretty good defensive team and Duke is a pretty good defensive team and an old miss team. That's pretty solid on defense. Um, Virginia has not played solid defensive teams. So, as where as you know, other than Duke. So this is where this is all going to get real interesting, man. Like how much do these stats matter? What does it matter? I don't know. And that's what we're going to find out on, on Thursday night, tomorrow night, uh, as we record this or as you listen to it tonight. So um, I don't know. I, I know that you were saying um, it's a hot ticket in terms of recruiting um, without getting into too much detail, just like how many kids are, you expect them to show up for recruiting purposes? Um, I'd say, you know, I don't think they're going to get to 100 this time, but I would say it's going to be uh, between 80 and 90. I think if you didn't have the mass well, amount. Well, I was going to say the high school season is still going on, so you still have – we're not even in the playoffs yet, so you still have um, – Yeah, you, you know, there's a, there's a lot of – there's, I think, what was it 19 Thursday games? Well, and also Thursday's usually a big night anyways for high school teams. You would do like your walkthrough banquet. You know, you have like a dinner together or whatever. And yeah. coaches are not cool with the kids like skipping out of those things. So um, that's why I expected originally, like, you know, when this first, the schedule first got announced, I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe they'll have 20 to 30 kids at the game. And then even as this week started, when I started hitting up kids, I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, the, the list just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think, you know, last I checked, it's, a, it's in the, the 60s already. And, and there's, there's obviously more I haven't talked to, you know. I, I can only talk to so many kids in a day. Sure. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty big. Um, and it, it's, it says something about the, um, the chance and the opportunity they have. Because a lot of these kids, like um, a lot of the – big name kids and like you I don't know what you call them meal tickets or whatever uh they are the 2024s who work these you know either really high three stars or four stars even into the the top 250 even a couple in the top 100 nationally that are um you know making the trip um there's a couple from the state of South Carolina who are driving down and then there's a few from the state of Florida who are driving up and just to see all this for a Thursday night game when, you know, in my head, I'm like, these kids got school in the morning, you know, as a parent. Um, it, it's, it says something about the, um, the shift and the change that has taken place rather quickly because I don't believe that if Jeff was still the coach that it would be near this level or um, this high caliber of kids. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the staff can do recruiting wise, what it looks like ultimately if Brent Key even gets the job down the line. So there's a lot of sort of moving pieces to all of this. And, and they still don't have a 10th assistant either at this point, they haven't named one. Um, 
Brent said they'll do that after this game because uh, they have a little bit of a long lead up into the, the Florida State game. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting. And like I wonder Russell if they said, put an analyst on the road on Friday because I know they're all going on the road on Friday. So I wonder if they pick a 10th person to go on the road. Is well, Brett such... could go out too, I guess, technically. Um, well, yeah, he could too as a head coach. And, yeah. and they could leave one purse, leave the one whatever spot behind too. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's some funny people that it would be funny to see if they actually sent them out on the road. Um, they'll create some waves. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm thinking of. But yeah, um, it, yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. And, and I think that's going to be a. Uh, a fun couple of months here to see, especially if they win on Thursday, um, you know, kind of what happens next, right? Like none of us know, like we really don't know what, what, what's next in the cards for Georgia tech and, and Brent key and this whole saga. So I think it's going to be exciting and fun and y'all tune into jackets online. We're going to have it uh, smothered, covered and whatever scattered, smothered and covered. Uh, we use a waffle houseism for, the departed Jeff Collins. That's um, right. It's a Jeff Schultzism. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. We'll uh, we'll be covering it there, and thank everybody for for checking us out. We've been super busy trying to to stay on top of this stuff for you guys. So, uh, any final thoughts, Russell? No, I think you you really kind of covered it all. I mean, we uh, I believe the promo has it expired yet. No, it's still good. GT search, all caps, uh, 30 day free trial on jackets online. And if you don't stay after that, you're a loser. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) it's fun. People get addicted to the service and and there's people have stuck through all of this sort of mediocrity the last three and a half years, um, just because of how much they enjoy the community. It's the local bar for Georgia tech fans. So, um, and it, it's not free, so there's a barrier to entry, which cuts down on some of the jackassisms um, that you come across in other places. We still have our, our fair share of jackasses, but there are jackasses. So, um, but yeah, for Russell, I'm Kelly. This has been the Jackets Online Podcast. We promise to be back more regularly as, as things kind of settle in here. We've just been underwater for the last couple months. So, um, sorry about that. But we'll be back and enjoy. Enjoy.